the competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet now your host nick nanavani Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. This week we are joined by one of my favorite people in this hobby, Kasra Hushidar. Kas, how you doing? I am doing well, thanks. Happy New Year, Nick. Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to all of you on the Art of War podcast listener base. We love having you back, and we love putting out content for yet another year. This episode is going to be really exciting, because much like our last one, we are taking someone who is chasing the ever high art of making their WTC team. Cass is not on Team America, though. Cass is on Team Canada, a team we rarely get to hear from. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Cass as a player, what that journey has been like, how he's made it all the way up to representing his national team from just a year or two ago being a run-of-the-mill, fluffy kind of player, and what that journey's been like, and what it looks like. You know, How are we going to actually go from wherever we're at now to best in the world type of 40k play how do you deal with faction switching all that stuff and the goals along the way so this is going to be very freeform Cass is also a team member for team art of war on our icc team he's a great person and he's awesome and he's very friendly so if you ever see him at an event definitely get to know him but that's enough of an intro Cass. how are you yeah i'm doing well been uh been a bit of a change of pace uh gaming wise i will say uh as you as you mentioned you know the the wtc team experience is a very different beast so i've been playing a lot of tts is is what my life has become <laughs> yeah playing a lot of tts is kind of a prerequisite for making your your world team championship level um, but in this part one of the show, we're going to talk about exactly what that experience has been like playing TTS, learning new factions, setting goals for yourself. And then in part two, we're going to talk about that in more detail. Uh, Cass, for those of you who don't know, is a longtime Ultramarine player, basically an Ultramarine diehard. I'm pretty sure he has Gulliman on his pillow sheets, but he's going to have to play something a little bit different at WTC. Potentially, you never know. Six months from now, maybe Space Marines are not the best in the game, so uh, you're just not going to be bringing them. And that level of flexibility, that level of um, ability to learn a new faction and play it uh, despite your personal biases, um, that's all very, very important as part being part of this team, along with so many other skills. So that's going to be the crux of our conversation in part one. And in part two, we're going to be talking about learning a brand new faction with Kaz and what that's looked like. So you can sign up for the show on AOW40K.com, get access to our Patreon, get access to that beautiful part two. And get access to our Discord server. So support the show, everyone. Cass, talk to me about your journey. You have been come to me as a as a little fledgling many, many moons ago. You were like, Nick, I'm going two and three with my ultramarines. Help me go three and two. And now we're going way better than three and two. And now we're making the WTC team. And life is awesome. So how did that even happen? Yeah, well, I think uh I think the big awakening moment for me was last year at Kansas City Teams. Um you know, the Art of War team had had a situation where Richard wasn't going to be able to make it. Um, he, you know, 10th was dropping and there was a lot of, of stuff to do back at the stream house. And so I got tapped on the shoulder. And I had at this point been playing competitive for about a year and a half. I'd been doing really well. I actually almost had took down a, a major um, 
and ended up winning best overall for that one. It was the it was the other time I got to be on this wonderful podcast, actually. But uh, but at that point was when the boys tapped me on the shoulder and, and asked me to come join the team for Kansas City. And I got to say, it it uh, there was a little bit of a shift in me because I am known, you know, primarily as a painter, secondarily as a as a sportsman, and then third as a competitor. Not to say I'm not a good competitor. You saw to the fact that. I am actually quite competitive now, but one of the the big things that happened was a switch flipped. You know, I was no longer just playing for me. I was playing for the boys. And at one point I was actually playing against Quinton um, at that team event. And we, um, we were going and he had, he had realized kind of like partway through my turn, he shouldn't have been where he was. And he even, he even said it out loud. And he kind of looked at me like, can I take that back? And I said, Quentin, if this was a singles event, absolutely. But this one's for the boys. Sorry. And he said, completely fair. And uh, and that moment kind of captured what happened. I realized that Team's Warhammer is indeed the best Warhammer because I ended up playing above what I thought was my level. And, uh, and, you know, I, I got a lot of kudos from the boys and, and was able to really pull my weight and winning that event kind of made me realize like teams Warhammer is a hell of a drug and, uh, I want more, I want more. So that was, there was a bit of a switch there and, you know, actually someone who happened to be refereeing at that event was Jeremy and, uh, AKA Curie, AKA the, uh, one of the, uh, the uh, assistant captain for Team Canada, and he kind of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "I want you to try out this year." And I said, "Okay." So that's kind of where it all started. So basically, you go to events and you meet people, and you had a great ass time at the event. You overperformed your own expectations, and you got recognized by someone in a leadership position uh, for Team Canada, and that's kind of how you got the ball rolling. That pretty much I- the story. Absolutely. And that was definitely reinforced at the World Championships of Warhammer. Because so many of the awesome people I played, like uh, a Ben from France, he was a WTC player. Him and I had such an amazing game. Like it was like a hundred to ninety-eight win for me, but it was right to the wire. We had like the most sportsmanship full game and most exciting fun game we were having a great time and like we we hugged it out at the end like it was it was amazing and i thought to myself like this is the kind of player that is playing in the wtc i absolutely want to be a part of this yeah i think the the world championships of warhammer um it was such an exclusive event where only like world champions and that kind of equivalent from whoever respective countries were invited to compete in the finale that basically it filtered itself out to just the utmost sportsmanship and the utmost competition games. It was, it felt like WTC, just a singles event as someone who's been multiple times to WTC. And it really, for the, a lot of American players, especially that don't get the opportunity necessarily to go to Europe or in your case, guys, as a Canadian, you don't get the chance to go to WTC prior to this. Um, I'm really glad that it got everybody some exposure to what that higher level of yeah. Warhammer is in that sportsmanship can be brought to the the forefront while you're kicking somebody's ass and you know there's it doesn't have to be one or the other and to demonstrate it and show that to 
what are respectively community leaders within the states and within other pockets around the world. That is super awesome because you get to take that home and hopefully share with your local scenes and develop the Warhammer community even further. So, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That is what every player at the WTC strives to be, just super sporting, super competitive. So you're getting better. You're obviously going from the Kansas City team's qualifying for worlds to the world championships of warhammer and when how did this even become the conversation right like i feel like we glossed over the fact that you leveled up during kansas city and we um have been practicing since then to make world championships you know like 10th edition happened and all of a sudden we have a new cast what's going on here well and i'll be i'll be candid with you nick i struggled with the with the edition swap, you know, I, I ended up going to Tacoma, um, the Tacoma open and, you know, I, I took a Gladius ultramarines list with Gulliman before I realized that is really not the sauce in this edition, but, um, but I, I did my best to make it work. And, you know, I, I didn't end up where I had now become accustomed to ending up. And so you know, cut to a, a rocky montage of me playing a ton of games and and you know working working my butt off to get better and better and better. Um, but it it hadn't been the an easy road, basically. Um, and so, what kind of like I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't super confident when the uh, when the WTC tryout started. I wasn't in the place that I was at in Kansas City when I like, you know, I ended up tying Mark Perry or I took down Quinton Johnson or you know, like when I was when I was playing at that that level, like I didn't have the same confidence. So I I spent a lot of time getting reps in, practicing, chatting with yourself, chatting with John, you know talking to my people and 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 trying to kind of address what I was I was struggling with. So a lot of work went into this behind the scenes. Um and and even throughout the the WTC tryout process, you know, there was um I, I considered every opportunity to showcase my skill set like something I practiced for. You know, I I if I was playing a scr- a casual scrim game on the Team Canada server, I I was practicing that matchup with two or three friends that played that faction before I actually got to it. Um, and in fact, there was there was a, an instance where I was asked to play a game without um, without my Altorians, but also no Eldar, no CSM. Well, the backup army that I was I was kind of being flexible with and and training with was CSM. So all of a sudden, I had to come up with a new plan. Ended up uh, tapping my good friend and co-host of my podcast, uh, the best overall show, Noah Badome, who is a very, very good Knights player in general. But uh, I, I got his help and uh, and basically played the list he took to the World Champs with Chaos Knights. And I practiced that matchup and, uh, and ended up playing a game there. And what kind of happened with, you know, leveraging the war room uh stuff that content that you and the boys put out leveraging my personal network within the warhammer world to get good practice and other perspectives especially coming from the world of being a faction specialist and trying to open up my mind to really understanding the game at a 
broader level, which is really important for teams because one of the things that one of the skill sets that you're really, you know, working on and is quite quite important and critical really in teams is the ability to look at a matchup and and call your shot if you're gonna lose great but by how much you know can you keep it close if you're gonna win great is it gonna be a blowout are you gonna 20 0 this person and if you put down a 20 0 you better bring back a 20 0 so understanding the game from the perspective of multiple different factions has been very enlightening for me in that regard you know it's it's given me a more complete understanding of warhammer and i think one of the things that is different from when i started coaching with you two and a half years ago to now is that i'm i understand that that investment is going to pay off so i'm you know i'm making the time in my personal life to learn from different perspectives and not just as a faction specialist Right. I remember when we first started Cass, we had coaching calls and one of the homework assignments I gave you was every week we'd pick a different faction of the game. I'd tell you to go read the codex and come up with an army list. It's still an exercise I use with a lot of my clients today. And it's really helpful for just like getting a foundational knowledge for how other armies work. So if you run into them the first time, second time, third time, you kind of know what's going on. You don't feel totally fish out of water with it. But what you're describing is far and beyond that, right? Like now we're talking about here is your list, here is your opponent's list, here's a theoretical scenario, theoretical board. Um, you know, what score are you going to get? And when you say the zero to twenty scale, which is what teams use, that essentially is the normal, you know, zero to one hundred. You play Warhammer, we all know and love with. Um, however, every five victory points you achieve over your opponent is basically one of those zero to 20 match points. So if you're, you know, getting a 20-0, that means you've beaten them by 50. That is an enormous destruction of their army and massacre on the scoreboard. Most games in Warhammer competitively are within 10 to 20 points, I would say. So that's in the 10-10 the range, which is a draw, to like a 14-6, which is a, a you know, a 20-point win or 20-point loss in either direction. And being able to accurately call your shot with those matchups comes from a lot of experience, of course, but there's so much more that goes into experience because your experience playing, say, your Space Marines versus um, Billy Bob Zeldar is going to be a lot different than your experience playing your Space Marines versus best Eldar player in Germany's Eldar. So <laughs> yeah. How do you reconcile that? Well, I, I think one of the things that's helped me is I've been trying to get my practice games in against the best players I know that play said faction. Um, but I think part of it is like, even within, within the team, we have so much top talent, right? And these are players that I've, I know a few of them, but Canada is a geographically a large country. And so I can't say that I've played all these folks in real life. Um, I honestly, my tournament scene tends to be a little bit of Canada and a lot of the Western U.S. because that's quite accessible to me. It's easier for me to drive down to Seattle than it is to go to, say, Ottawa, where a lot of the really competitive players in Canada are. But through the WTC kind of process, I've now got you know folks all throughout Canada that I'm playing against, and, and I'm getting higher quality reps in. 
And, you know, not to not to downplay any of the reps I've gotten against, you know, my friends locally, they, those are absolutely critical. And in some cases, those are the best folks that I can find at that uh, in, in that faction. But the quality of reps that you start getting is uh, is mind blowing. And like when you're getting your butt kicked by the best of the best, you learn a lot. Like I take notes and I do a, a sort of reflective session myself. You know, you and I used to do this when I was your coaching student, but I still, I walk through that exercise at the end of it where I think to myself, you know, what did I do well? What could I have done better? Where did I win or lose this game? And by doing that sort of retrospective look, I, I've sharpened my blades for the real thing. And that's why I'm I'm getting, you know, life is pretty busy for me. Uh, but one to three reps where I can leading up to something is is kind of how I've done it. And like when I say I'm getting reps against some of the top players, like I was I was gonna be playing a scrim against Poland's Eldar player with um actually the same list that John Lennon took to WCW. And John and I had a lot of conversations about the list. And, you know, I played against a uh, couple of my friends that play Eldar. And then I asked Quentin, hey, <laughs> Q, Q Money, do you think you could uh, spare a few hours and play a TTS game with me? And, you know, I had won both my other practice games against Eldar. And, and then I played against Quentin. And my God, he uh, he dismantled me. And I learned, like, okay, do not make the mistakes I made here. And I ended up losing the game against my opponent uh, from Poland, but by a significantly smaller margin. And that was that was kind of a win. So I, I think really it's getting the quality reps, but also having that retrospective look at realizing, you know, sometimes if you play against a player who's not Quentin Johnson and you win, there are going to be lessons learned that don't necessarily apply if you're playing against someone who can capitalize on mistakes. So it's important to kind of do that retrospective work and think about, well, this could have gone terribly, so maybe I don't do that in the real real thing. You actually had talked to me about that game, and I was glad you brought it up. If you didn't, I was going to. <laughs> um, when we talked about that game and right after it had happened, you were coming to me and you're like, Nick, I'm trying out for Team Canada, and um, they... He put me in a scrim versus Polish guy who's really good. He's playing Eldar, and I got some practice games against my buddies, and they're running Eldar, and I put this as a solid win for Space Marines because, you know, you're playing John's list. John's been talking to you. He's beaten Eldar. You understand the lines into Eldar. You should be good to go. And then you played Quentin, and Quentin's obviously a bit, he's a bit of a beast in and of itself, so he dismantled you, as you put it. And... You came to me so dejected, Cass. You came to me and you were like, Nick, am I even good at Warhammer? What am I doing? <laughs> Just never going to be as good as Quentin. I'm not even going to have this conversation with beating Quentin. Like, that was that was horrendous. What do I do? And I was like, this was a moment for me and you. I, it was a moment for me, at least, where I was like, Cass, you have to accept the fact that Quentin can no longer be held on this pedestal along with all the other Art of War coaches or other world's best players like Sean. You know, you have to accept that if this they're going to be your competition, then you have to be able and ready to beat them they are your peers not your above you type of people and my moment in my perspective that was a, a lesson you really had to learn i can't learn it for you i can just help you see the lesson and you know you know what's funny about that nick is that like when we did play it at uh, kansas city in ninth edition 
I completely did. And and that was that was the level up, right? So I, I guess along the way, struggling to adapt to a new edition and <clears throat> watching, you know, I, I I am a very privileged person in that, you know, my friends are the art of war team. So <laughs> watching Quentin just like dominate, I was so proud of him at, at the world champs and, and watching him take down really, really top took end. down me. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. And, you know, just knowing Quentin as a person, he's such a sweet human being and watching him succeed, like I was so happy for him. But at the same time, you know, somewhere in the back of my head, you're right, I did. I did end up, I wouldn't even say necessarily putting him on a pedestal, but but my self-confidence had eroded. And, you know, that that sort of pick yourself up and uh, and keep going pep talk that you gave me, it did really help. Make me realize that was part of my challenge was that I was avoidant uh, to to playing those matchups. And, you know, maybe it was the fact that we had just come back from the world champs and literally I, you know, I played the best, I played against the best opponents I'd ever played for an entire event. And, uh, and my confidence was a little bit shaken. My girlfriend joked that like, do you need to go? club baby seals at an rtt just to get back your mojo i considered it but i'm i'm glad i didn't actually make that kind of the requirement <clears throat> and instead i went the other direction which you suggested and and really like just kind of tried to tried to see through that lack of self-confidence in the moment and work through it and i, I think i did that by getting in more reps against the best players that I have access to. And, and so it was uh, it was a bit of a perspective shift, right? And I thank you for that uh, that guidance and that push. I would say nudge, but it was a push. <laughs> teammates and coaches are here for it, Cass. I'm here for you. But I, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head where it actually, it wasn't even you putting Quentin on a pedestal or all these great players on a pedestal. You even yourself through... 10th edition happening, you know, your, your ninth edition list, your approach, all of that had to be reconsidered. It's a, it's a different game. And you struggled with that. A lot of players do. And, you know, what is really refined, awesome results you're putting up in ninth edition, you're playing at your peak, you're bringing home great points for the Art of War team. You know, 10th edition rolls around, you're underperforming by your own expectations. Getting absolutely dumpstered by Quentin the first time you, you really try to play someone at the highest caliber. And I think it's important that you don't shy away from those challenges because it's really easy to exist in your your small pond or your your local scene and play the same people you've been playing and keep on beating them and you know play strangers here and there but those strangers are not going to most likely be at world class caliber but if you're trying to really level up your game and go from all right I'm playing at my RTTs to I'm going to win GTs you know that is a substantial level up in skill and where you're going, Cass, you're like competing at majors to I'm going to compete at worlds. And again, substantial level up in skill here. So the way you do it is reshifting your perspective entirely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head with that. You have to accept that there are people better than you. You're going to have to go get your ass kicked just like you did when you're learning the game for the first time. Um, maybe not as badly, but you have the tools and the skill and the knowledge to understand how to improve as a player now. Whereas back then, you know, a loss is like what even happened there. Right. Whereas now I know exactly where, <laughs> what, what one, two, three things led to either me losing or winning. And I think, I think it's important to actually look at the wins as well and unpack those. 
and it being teams, look at what you could have done to increase the differential if you won or decrease it if you lost. Uh, and that's just this whole other level of Warhammer that I am loving about teams. Yeah, absolutely. The granularity element in in playing for points and stuff. That makes it so much more enjoyable. Um, We used to run this podcast, Art of War and Broken, which was all about learning from your losses. And Cass, I know you've done that show quite a few times with our old co-host, Blake Law. I'm getting Art of War and Broken vibes from this learning from your losses and even in in your win stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean... The unbroken, the unbroken mantra is very, very applicable for teams. Yes. So how has your perspective shifted from being a singles player to being a team player? I know you, along with pretty much everyone else I know who's tried it, is like teams all the way, teams 40K. But we're talking now about the granularity of it's not did I win my game, it's did I hit my matrix number, what even is your matrix number? It's a different way of approaching the game. How do you translate your skills as a singles player to a team player what's that journey like for you well ongoing (laughs) um but i would say you know the the most important thing that i've learned is like you really don't want to overcall your shot and it's and you have to kind of think to yourself like okay in this matchup you know what is the likelihood that i go lower than a draw or you know, what What am I trying to be as a player, right? Because every team needs the players that candidly are there to jump on the grenade. And I'll, I think a lot of people's egos will get in the way of, of being that type of player. I have luckily not really had much of an ego around my Warhammer playing. I, I can't say I haven't had one around my painting, um, but around my playing, I have not had an ego. So I don't mind being the guy that's going to take the and, you know, it's it's funny. Anthony said this about me after the Kansas City teams. He was giving me a shout out. And I'll, <clears throat> I'll never forget the exact verbiage he used. He said, I took piss poor matchups on garbage tables and I brought back, you know, a 10 or a, or a 12. And that's kind of like where I've invested my time in becoming a player who can take the bad matchups, who can take the boogeyman um you know, factions and, and either have a very small loss or a draw or even a small win. So that's kind of an approach that I've been taking, but now I'm playing an army that needs to be the one doing the scoring. So it's, I'm, I'm learning both sides of that spectrum of what the different sort of team roles are in a team, am I going to be someone who's bringing home the 20-0s and, and really increasing that points differential for my team's favor? Or am I going to be a player that's taking the horrible matchups, taking the boogeyman factions and, you know, denying them those 20-0s? And honestly, I don't know where I will end up. I'm I'm still in the process of learning that. And it's, you know, it's a lot of work. Um I feel like I've uh, sort of added a, on a part-time job <laughs> by by doing this process, but it's it's quite awesome because there's so many angles to it. You know, I'm constantly pinging, you know, Team Canada coaches or yourself or my other friends and asking for people's opinions on, hey, like, you know, you're a Tau player. What, what does this matchup look like for you? Or, 
you know, th- thinking through different matchups, thinking through some of the players that I know I'm going to be facing and, you know, what, what that matrix looks like, right. Of me rating my different matchups, me looking at the WTC tables, which you could do a whole episode on going from, you know, playing primarily on GW tables to WTC tables, very big difference, a lot more terrain for those that don't play WTC. Um, so shooting armies have a very different uh, different time in WTC than than they do in other terrain formats. Um, I'm glad you hit and, on that subject, Cass, because we haven't even considered the format differences. But not only is the terrain a huge factor, but they also um, they play with different charging rules. Basically, they allow you to charge through walls and phantom your infantry through it, so you can't just be in from the walls and be unchargeable as you can in GW. It's a huge difference for combat armies as well there. Definitely. They call it an FAQ, but in, in a lot of ways, some of them are just house rules agreed upon by the team captains, right? And so it is a bit of a different game. So there's there's that level of kind of nuance to it. But then beyond beyond just kind of rating what you think your matchups look like, uh, etc., there's the entire pairing process too, which, you know, uh, as, as a newer player on the team i'm uh i'm really enjoying watching how that goes down in our internal scrims and our practice scrims with other countries and seeing you know hey this is this is how i filled out the matrix and like lo and behold look who i'm playing right and so that's a whole game within a game that i don't think i appreciated as a singles player while I was up at like four in the morning painting some miniatures, watching Team Canada play at WTC, um, you know, I, I didn't really quite understand at like a fundamental level how much work goes in before you even set up at the table. And so that's that's been and is uh, still like quite a journey that I'm on right now. Right. And you mentioned also that you have... You're trying to find your home within the team. Like traditionally, you play it. You're really good as a player at handling the bad matchups. You know, let me first defend yeah. Eldar and then just get points against the elves, something like that. But you're also, as of late, picking up a new faction. Then, and you yourself are a faction expert, so picking up a new faction's obviously got its own challenges that are unique to you. Um, and that faction is not another. Um, defender stylist where you're trying to just scrounge points against Eldar or CSM or other great armies like Necrons. Um, instead, you are playing one of those factions and you're going to have to learn how to put your foot on the gas and play a different army and play a different army in a different style in a different team format. That yeah. is a lot to cover. It's really what the crux of our next conversation in part two is going to be. But how has it been making you feel so far? New. <laughs> it's been making me feel like a noob again, um, but in a really good way. You know, it's it's pushed me outside of my comfort zone, and I've I've had to get really good at identifying and assessing risk within the game, um, and and it's it's just it's been amazing to me how differently I see the game as a result of this. But you know, there are times where I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, I need to do X, Y, and Z to push that differential. And, you know, in a lot of those decision inflection points, it could go wrong. And so it's it's 
kind of balancing the risks and and making decisions on the fly that have been really like I've felt very alive when I've been playing um with the chaos list and and kind of thinking through the army and thinking through different matchups. It's definitely pushed me outside of my comfort zone. I'll I'll put it that way. I can't think of anything that would take you further out of your comfort zone. Um, we're going to talk about that in detail, like how you even go about filling out a matchup matrix with an army you've never really played before, learning to play it, all that kind of stuff. That's going to be in part two for our subscribers on AOW40K.com. But Cass, I have one more question for you uh, before we head off to that episode. What has been your favorite part of this experience? What has been your most challenging part? And what would you recommend for anyone who wants to get involved? So I think my favorite part is actually getting to know the competitive scene in my geographically massive country, but otherwise kind of small country, um, a lot better. You know, I, I met a lot of these folks at the World Champs as well, but getting to be on a team with with folks that I don't get a lot of exposure to otherwise, um, you know, some of the, the top players in the country like Tim D lifts or Francois Lalonde, like these guys are, are, are guys I've, I've followed their Warhammer careers, you know, for a while and getting to be on a team with them has just been delightful. You know, like I, I look forward to getting my butt kicked and kicking their butts and learning from those experiences um, more and more. So that's kind of been the best thing I think for me is I feel way more connected to my country's Warhammer scene, not just my local sort of driving distance geography bubble. Um, the hardest thing for me would be, I think, um, and I, I knew this going in because I'd had a conversation kind of early days about, about this with Jeremy, but team leadership does not believe faction specialists are going to fill a gap that they had. And I knew this going in, so it wasn't a surprise. I didn't, you know, show up to apply to the the team and then find out like, hey, wait a minute, they don't want someone that just plays one faction. They want two or three factions that you're you're proficient with. But making that shift and knowing that you have to make that shift are very different things. Um, and so that that discomfort has been huge, and it's been the hardest part for sure. You know, LVO is coming up and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be playing with my Ultramarines, right? So I would love that practice, but that's not what this is about. So the games I'm playing right now are not uh, are not in that wheelhouse. And, and that's been, it's been tough. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the, the most challenging, challenging piece. And I'm sorry, I forgot the last bit I heard. No, that's like uh, a computer there's really three questions. I lied to you, but we'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> the third question uh, was, if for someone who is trying, you know, listening to this show maybe, and you're like, what even is World Team Championships, Team 40K? How do I get myself involved in this? What would you recommend? I would say, you know, every country is different, but every country, seem, in my experience, seems to have a process. So I think the best thing you could do is find someone who is on the team or, or you know, at least is part of the organization. So there's a lot of folks that are like not necessarily players on the team, but coaches or, um, you know, can at least point you to people that can, that can get you started in that process. Uh, for example, at team Canada, you know, there is a Patreon that you follow and, and that helps fund the team. Um, 
to be a part of their Discord. You know, go find out where their Discord is, your country's team. I'm sure they have one. Um, and then go support and go be a part of it. Even if it's like last year, I was involved with Team Canada as a spectator. You know, so if if nothing else, like the babyest of baby steps is follow your team on social media and and uh, and cheer them on when the actual event's going down. And if you do that, you will know when tryouts happen and what the process looks like for each country. I I also think one of the things you can do to get ready for that is if I don't know about uh, where where folks are listening from, but I know that in my corner of Canada, so I, I live in Vancouver, I'm on the West Coast. We didn't really see team events, you know, and over the last kind of year, like there are so many team events popping up. So I don't care if it's a three-man team event, a five-man team event, or an eight-man team event. Go. Get a team of your friends together and go because the experience is so different. You know, you can hear about it from uh, folks like myself on shows like this or other podcasts that even specialize in teams, covering Teams Warhammer, but it is not going to do justice to the real thing. So if you can, if you can, if you have that opportunity, put together a team and get out there. That's, I, I think, the best kind of first first step you can do outside of following your own team. I think that was a fantastic answer. And I love asking you that question because you are someone who two years ago was who is Cass and you are now literally a member of your national team. So if you can do it, Cass, anybody can do it and you can give the good the guidance and steps on how someone can do it. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Cass, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nick. Of course. And you can catch us in part two of this conversation. We're going to get a little more technical on the 40K tactical side, and we're going to talk about Cass and his learning of his brand new Chaos Space Green Army. They are one of the strongest factions in the game today, but there's a new balance data slate coming out at some point. And, you know, there's a lot of learning between Ultramarines and Chaos Space Marines, and that is going to be quite the challenge and quite the unique adventure to talk about. So if you're interested in learning a new faction, learning, listening to this conversation, and maybe even learning something about Warhammer, check Check out the next episode on AOW40K.com. Listeners, we will catch you next week. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War40K.com. <laughs>